Now, let me tell you the story how it really was. We, we were looking for a college pastor at Northridge, and, uh, and uh, I, I flew up to Indianapolis and went over to Lincoln and, and sat down with Joel and Jessica, and I fell in love with them because they're great folks. Now, I, 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 this is what I knew. If he came to Northridge, he wouldn't get very much uh, of a chance to preach. And I felt like he was going to be frustrated by being there. It would have been kind of like hooking up a, a thoroughbred to a plow, I felt like. And, and, and I thought he needed to run. And I thought he'd be frustrated because we have a teaching team already that had three on it. And he wouldn't get a chance. And so uh, I, 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 it, it hurt my heart because I felt like he would have been wonderful for our team. Uh, but I just didn't think, uh, I just didn't think that he could be satisfied not being in the pulpit. And, uh, and he wasn't going to get much of a chance to do that. And I think I was right, okay? <laughs> and I think you guys would agree with me. Uh, so, hey, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> you guys need to, to, to appreciate uh, what you have. I, I want to say 93 years, guys. That's pretty good. Did you know that the average church in America is lasting usually about 45 to 55 years? And, and, and then, and, and then it, it dies, the church I grew up in in Orlando, Florida, uh, uh, closed its doors uh, about eight years ago. Why? Because it just, it wasn't that there was a lack of people. It's just that they, they didn't grow with the, the, the community. And, and so it, it, it broke my heart. And so when you say 93 years, now I will tell you the church where I serve in Milledgeville, Georgia, we got 10 years on you. We're, we're 103 years old. And, uh, and you know what? Uh, God blesses when you are, are with him on the long haul. And so I encourage you in that way. I, I encourage you because I think you have one of the young preachers out there uh, that, that, that God is blessing in some neat ways, but God's also blessed you for 93 years. And I think that's important. I, I mentioned I grew up in Orlando, Florida. And, and the interesting thing about growing up in Orlando, Florida, my dad was a rocket scientist, okay? He drove from Orlando to the Cape uh, every single day. And he was one of the rocket scientists that helped put a man on the moon. And so the interesting thing about this is when they were, were, were testing the Apollo Saturn rockets that I got to go one day and go to the control room where they, where they were shooting them off. Now, the control room is actually three miles away. And, and so the, the interesting thing about it is on the Saturn rockets, they stood 363 feet tall with the payload, okay? And they weighed 6 million pounds. Okay, that's pretty heavy, in case you don't know. In the first stage, they had these engines, okay? These engines that stood 19 feet tall. The F1 engines in that very bottom stage, the ones that are firing right there, that they stood 18 feet tall. And what powered them was 200,000 gallons of kerosene, over 200,000 gallons of kerosene, and over 300,000 gallons of of liquid oxygen. That's a half a million, that's a half a million gallons of fuel, okay? And the, that first stage, that first stage was designed to get the rocket up into the air to about 17,500 miles per hour and to get it up right at 40, 40 miles up into the, the atmosphere. Now, if you're doing the math real quickly, that means that it got about 12,500 gallons to the mile. And you thought your trucks were doing bad, didn't you? Okay. Okay. So, so now, can I just tell you, when that thing took off, they were pouring the gas to it. I mean, that, that is power. 
Now, as a kid, I, I was standing right there uh, three miles away, and when that thing lit up, I could feel the heat. I could sense that the ground was shaking, and you could actually smell the fuel three miles away. And you know what I wanted at that point for my life? I said, I want to do what Dad does. And, and about five years later, I was at a camp, Lake Aurora Christian Camp in Florida, and, and uh, I was sitting on the side of the lake listening to a preacher, and I sensed the power of God at that place, and the heat was unbelievable. And that night, what I said is, I want to be a part of what God is doing in this world. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, it, it, is, it, it is putting the gas to it, okay? I, I want to read from, from Acts, the first chapter, verse 8. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to look just through the book of Acts, and what we're going to see is, is how they turn the power on. It says there, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me read that to you again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What I want you to hear today is about the power that they had in the book of Acts. I have read the book of Acts time and time and time again, hundreds of times. And as I went through there and I began to underline some things, there are some themes in the book of Acts that I believe will, 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 will turn the power on in our lives and in the church. When we do a thing at Northridge, and it's called the sermon in a sentence. And so today, I tell you that the sermon in the sentence is this. We need to give the church some gas. We need to give us some gas. We need to give us some fuel so that it will take off and that it will do do what God has designed it to do. And what we're going to see today is just a quick overview of the book of Acts. We're going to see how they turned the power on, how they gave the church the Acts, how they gave them their church the gas, how they, they gave uh, themselves the energy and the power to do what God would have them to do. And there's four things, and, and, you, and if you've got an outline, you can follow along a little bit. But this is, this is what I want you to hear today, is that this is how we get churches growing. This is how we grow individually and, 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 and purpose, purposefully, and, and, and that's so important for us. So the first thing is this, is that, that we make prayer a priority. We make prayer a priority. I talked with the guys last night about this, and I believe this with all my heart. This is what Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said. He says, whenever God determines to do a great work, he sets his people to pray. Did you catch that? When God determines to do a great work, he sets his people to pray. He, he will call us to our knees when, when, we, when he's ready to do something. I, I look at the book of Acts, and in the second chapter, they're praying. And what happens? The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Now, they were just ordinary guys, okay? You need to understand, they didn't have any special powers. They, 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 they weren't anything but a bunch of fishermen, one tax collector. And you know what happened when, when they were on their knees and they're praying? The power of God came upon them. And, and not only were they able to speak in other languages, but they were able to, to, to have the power of God flowing through them. And that day, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. Now, I, I want you to understand that, that that's so important. What happens is this, is that prayer releases the power of God in a church and in our lives. 
Prayer releases that. In, in, in Acts 1, they prayed for another leader because uh, Judas was gone. In Acts 2, they, they prayed and the Holy Spirit came. In, in Acts 3 and 4, they prayed about the persecution. In, in Acts 5, they, they, they were praying again uh, uh, to, to bind Satan. And we could continue on through the book of Acts. And what you'll see is they were praying, they were praying, they were praying. They're a bunch of praying fools, okay? I just tell you that they were crazy about that. This is what I know is that the power of God is released in prayer. This is what I know this morning. I got a text from some of my elders saying they were praying for me. And you know what that did? That, that, that made me know that the power of God would be with me today. And boy, I, I will tell you that, that that's so important. I want you to think about this. For just a minute. I have a pair of scissors up here. And, and let's just say you want to go out and mow your yard today, and you take these out there. Any volunteers? No. That would be absolutely crazy, wouldn't it? Okay, when we try to follow Jesus, when we try to do church, what we're doing is we're trying to cut our lawns with our scissors. By the time you get from one side to the other side, you got to go back there. It would be a never-ending thing. And, and, and it would be absolutely stupid if you had a 48-inch John Deere in the garage, why would you do this? We have that 48 inch John Deere in our prayers. And when we pray, it releases the power of God. So let's not do it like we have a pair of scissors in our hands. Some things I would tell you to pray for. And, and, and I would tell you this because I think it's so important. You need to be praying for your church and your preacher, okay? Uh, I, I will tell you this because you need to pray that God will work in this place. You need to pray that God will work in Joel. You don't know the pressures that he has. You don't know the things that he puts up with. Second thing you need to be praying for is our young people. How many of y'all in here are parents? The greatest thing that you can do is pray for your kids. How many of you in here are grandparents? You need to pray harder, okay? Uh, I'm just going to tell you. Uh, you know, the next generation, they're facing things that you and I have never, have never dreamed of facing. The distractions that are in their lives are, are just absolutely unbelievable. And then the third thing I would tell you is you need to be praying for those who don't know. Jesus. Okay? Pray for an opportunity to share with them. Pray for that opportunity that, that you could invite them to come with you on a Sunday morning and then meet them at the door and sit with them. Boy, that, that, will, that will change everything. Uh, I, I have a list in my office. I have a closet in my office, and that's where I go to pray. And I have some names on the wall, and there are people I'm praying for. Uh, one is a guy named Walter, and he's a radio personality, and, and I've been praying for him. Uh, there's a lady that works in our schools that I've been praying for. I've got a couple of neighbors that I've been praying for. But you know what? God will honor that. Uh, and, uh, and so I just tell you simply to begin to pray. So the first thing that you want to do is to make prayer a priority. Did you get that? What are you supposed to do? Pray. Pray. Okay, you got that. That's pretty simple. The second thing that you see in here is they acted in Jesus' name. They acted in Jesus' name. If you begin to read the book of Acts, what you will see is this, that they did a lot of things in the name of Jesus. The interesting thing is they were commanded and told not to preach not to speak in the name of Jesus. You know who told them not to preach and not to speak in the name of Jesus? Some guys that didn't believe in Jesus. Why did they tell them not to do that? Because they knew there was power in the name. 
You know what they don't want us to do in our schools today? They don't want us to pray, and they don't want us to talk about Jesus. Why do they not want us to do that? Because they know there's power in the name of Jesus. I had some friends, and uh, they, they came from Zimbabwe. And Jonathan, one of the guys, he, he was having a discussion with some students that I was working with. And the students were saying, yeah, I don't know that we need to read the Bible because then we'll have to, to read the Koran in the schools. And if we pray, then, then they'll want to pray. And, you know, and it was back and forth. And then Jonathan just said, stop for a minute. He says, what you need to understand is when the Bible is read, there's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in. He says, when, when, when you pray, there's the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, all the other religions don't have that. So what we've got to do is, is continue to pray and continue to take God's name into the schools because it releases the power of God. And, and I think this is so important. If you remember back, if, you, if you're familiar with the Bible, Philippians 2 talks about the power of Jesus' name. It says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And can I tell you what? When we speak the name of Jesus, we speak power. Three things I would tell you that, that you need to be doing is this, is ask this question before you do something. Can I do this in the name of Jesus? Can I do this in the name of Jesus? Now, now think with me for just a minute. I go to Walmart. I don't like to go shopping. And I get in the line. There's three people in front of me. They each have two things. And 25 minutes later, I finally get up there. And then, then, then the, the lady says, well, I can't find the price on this. And so they call back to the person in the back that it's going to be another 35 minutes. Now, now I, the question I have to ask myself right there is, can I be a jerk in the name of Jesus? It doesn't work, does it? That's a question that you and I have to ask constantly. Can I do what I'm about to do in the name of Jesus? Can I do what I'm about to do in the name of Jesus? The second thing I would tell you is that we need to begin to do acts of kindness. To, to, to show people the love of Jesus. And this is what you do when you do one of those acts of kindness. It is that, that, that when they say thank you, you say this, I do this in the name of Jesus. Boy, that changes everything right there. Usually we say, oh, I'm welcome, or, or that was nothing. I was in McClinney, Florida. I was traveling, and I stopped at a, a, a gas station, and a lady couldn't get her car started. And I happened to have a pair of jumper cables in my truck, and I helped her start it. And she says, sir, I just want to thank you. And I said, well, well I did it in the name of Jesus. And I thought we were going to have church right there. She started hooting and hollering, and she was excited. And people were looking at her saying, and, 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 you know, she was excited about that. But I tell you what, when you say that, it tells people this, that you're doing that and you have the love of Jesus in you. First, we pray. Second, we act in the name of Jesus. And that's what you see in the book of Acts, is that they acted in the name of Jesus. The third thing. The third thing that I would tell you is they allowed the Holy Spirit to work. They allowed the Holy Spirit to work. Now, the Holy Spirit is one of those crazy things that, that we talk about, and he's actually a person, and the person of Jesus Christ comes into us through the Holy Spirit. It's when, when Jesus is living in us. I like what Ray Steadman said. He said, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to release the life of Jesus into the believer's life. I, I, I just want you to, to, 
No, right now, I am not a basketball player. You have just seen my vertical jump, okay? I, I was maybe a quarter of an inch. You know, I, I, I just can't play basketball. But if you would imagine this for just a minute, Michael Jordan, arguably the, probably the greatest basketball player that ever was, imagine if Michael Jordan was able to squeeze into this body and, and then I would be able to play basketball. I'd be able to jump, you know, that high. I'd be able to, 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 to stuff the ball. I'd be able to shoot from anywhere on the court. And it would be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it? You all would be amazed. You'd say, I, I can't believe he can play basketball like that. That's what happens when we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives. It gives us that supernatural power that allows us to do more. But you know what we are? Sometimes we're a little bit scared of the Holy Spirit. Because you really can't predict what he wants to do. I heard it this way. The Holy Spirit's going to do what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, and you can't predict it. And if you do try to define it, what you're going to do is put him in a box, and that's not going to allow him to work. So I'm just encouraging you to, to begin to think about this because when you read through the book of, 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 of Acts, you see how the Holy Spirit orchestrates evangelism. There, there's the story in Acts 10 and 11 where he brings two people together. You see the Holy Spirit convict people of sin. You see the Holy Spirit actually change people's hearts. You see the Holy Spirit give directions and, and change directions. And the amazing thing about it is when it's all done, and when it's all done is that, that God is glorified. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And I will tell you, it is absolutely the scariest thing that I can imagine because we can't predict what he will do. We, 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 we can't come to that point where we understand that. So, so there are some things I would tell you about allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your lives. Number one is to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I believe how we do that is we pray. We take some time. And we read God's word and we listen. And when we are prompted, we act. There are so many times when the Holy Spirit has directed. And when he's even led to, to, to me uh, having an encounter, what I, what I would call a defined appointment with somebody. I was flying from, from, um, from Indianapolis trying to get back to, to, to Tallahassee where I lived at the time. And, and I, I ended up in Orlando. And uh, they were trying to get me close to, to Tallahassee. And then they flew me to Jacksonville. Now, I just want to tell you how it finally ended up. Flying from Orlando to Jacksonville is about a 20-minute flight. And the Holy Spirit put me on that flight because I was sitting next to a guy who was looking for a church in Jacksonville. And our biggest supporter at the campus ministry where I was at the time was a fantastic church. I just wish the Holy Spirit had put him on my flight. and I had to get on his flight. But sometimes that's what the Holy Spirit does, is he orchestrates us so that we end up right beside somebody that we can share Jesus with. Okay, let, let me tell you, the, the, the second thing is, is when the Holy Spirit prompts, act immediately. Have any of y'all ever done this? I, I have, I have. I'll just tell you how it works. Uh, the Holy Spirit will prompt me and say, you know what, you need to go talk to that person. And at that point, I'm saying, okay, if you really want me to go talk to that person, would you land an airplane in my front yard? And then if the airplane lands in my front yard, you know what I typically say then? Well, let's see if you can get that airplane to take off out of my front yard. 
Because what I want to do is sometimes I don't want to do what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. And so when the Holy Spirit prompts, what do we do? We act immediately. And when we act immediately, we will see some incredible things happen. The last thing I would tell you about the Holy Spirit is this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit or put the Holy Spirit's fire out. You remember on that day of Pentecost, they began to speak in other languages and there were tongues of fire. Can you imagine if they'd had a fire extinguisher that day? Sometimes you and I have the fire extinguisher that will put out the Holy Spirit's fire and it's just simply called disobedience. When he calls us, we act. And if we'll act, I will tell you, it will set things on fire in a good way. One more thing that I want to tell you about is I read through the book of Acts. And it's this, is that they adjusted when needed. As I read the book of Acts, there's a strange thing that goes on. In chapter 6, they're changing some things that are going on right there in the church. Their leaders, their leaders... Uh, we're, we're very interested in, 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 and they were having a hard time getting to the important things. You know what the important thing was they wanted their leaders to do? Pray. Why? Because there's power in prayer. It releases that. But, but so what they did is made some adjustments there. In Acts 10 and 11, they adjusted who they would allow in the church. It was once all just a Jewish thing, and then they allowed the Gentiles in. That was the Holy Spirit coming in. So they had to make some adjustments. They adjusted how they dealt with people. And one of the things that I would just simply tell you is when you look in the book of Acts is that it was a book filled with adjustments. And sometimes we have to adjust in the church. We have a saying around Northridge. This is my saying. Life is adjustable. Can you say that with me? Life is adjustable. And you know what happens if you don't adjust? You die. If I'm walking down the street and here comes a bus and I don't adjust my life to that, can I tell you what's going to happen? I'm going to die. That's why. Yeah, that's exactly it. You see, there are adjustments. And that's one of the things that I would tell you about living in Jesus Christ. There are some adjustments that you and I have to make. Let me tell you what the, the first adjustment is that we're going to have to make. I believe that one of the adjustments is that you and I are going to have to adjust to make more time to be on our knees and be with God in prayer and be in his word. And in that adjustment, can I tell you what will happen? You will let the, the fuel begin to flow in you. The second adjustment is this. I believe that we've got to adjust our giving so that we are obedient with God. He asked for 10%. Uh, I, I want to do more. He asked for 10%, but you know what? Sometimes we get stingy. And if you want the power of God to flow through your life, and I tell our church this all the time, I say, I'm asking for you to give 10%, not, not so that we'll have the money, but so that you can have the blessing. Because it is absolutely incredible what we see when we do that. And then the third thing I would tell you to adjust is telling others. And we've got to be on fire about telling others. And if we're praying, and if we're acting in the name of Jesus, and if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work, can I tell you what? We will see others come to Jesus Christ. I have a gas grill. Not too long ago, I tried to crank it up because I wanted to cook some meat on there, and it just wasn't working. And I had to make some adjustments. So a wasp had actually built its nest in the air intake. And so it wasn't getting the, action, the oxygen that it needed in there. And so I had to make some adjustments to it to get it to work right. And, and then I, you've had this happen at your house probably. You get a hose and it gets a kink in it. What do you have to do? You have to adjust it so that the water can flow. I will tell you, I believe one of the things that we've got to do today in the church is to make the adjustments so that the power of God can flow. They did it throughout the book of Acts. 
Four things I gave you, and, and it's pretty simple. And number one, it's just simply to pray. Number two is to act in the name of Jesus. Number three is to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And the last thing is to make the adjustments so that the power of God can flow. I would tell you this, folks. I believe that you have a great thing, and you've had a great thing for 93 years. But what I would also encourage you to do is to give it the gas. Uh, because when you give it the gas that we've talked about today, this church will move in a greater way. I was 16. I had just started driving. I was on my way to church on a Sunday night. I drove a little red Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, I, I, got about, I got about a mile away from my house and about two miles away from the church, and the thing just gave out. I pulled over on the side of the road, and I couldn't figure it out. I went to the back and opened up like I would know anything about it. But I opened it up and looked in there and, and couldn't figure it out. And one of my friends happened to be coming by and uh, picked me up and took me to church. I, I, fortunately, I didn't miss what was going on that night. But, but the interesting thing was when we got back and we figured it out, you know what the problem was? It's out of gas. Yeah. Not enough to get you there, that's for sure. And so I'm just telling you, that can happen to us spiritually also. That can happen to a church. That's why there are over 4,000 churches that will close their doors this year. And what I'm encouraging you all to do in this sermon, what I'm encouraging you to do on your 93rd birthday is this, is to give it the gas because God has greater things in store for you. And when we release the power of God through prayer and in acting in his name and allowing the spirit to work and to make the adjustments so that the, the, so that the, the, the church can, can have that fuel, I will tell you this. It won't be just 93 years. It will be until Jesus returns. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. And today, Father, I thank you for this church that has stood for 93 years. I thank you for Joel and Jeff that lead, and I pray a blessing over them, and I pray a blessing over Cross Plains. Father, I pray that the greater things that you have in store for them will become a vision in their hearts and their minds, and that, Father, you will, will, will pour the fuel on, and they will receive it. And Father, we will see the greater things that are done until you return in glory. Father, I thank you, and I pray uh, that, that this church will stand strong for you, making an impact in this community until you return. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.